Good evening and welcome to Conversations with Crystal. I am your hostess Crystal. Thank you for joining me again this evening. I have another wonderful guest for you tonight and that is Greg Noonan from Greg Noonan and the General Jacksons. Howdy Greg, how are you today? I'm great Crystal. Thank you for having me on your show. You're very welcome. I feel really lucky to be speaking to you because you're so high up in the blues industry, like in the blues genre and the industry, that um, you know it's it's a great honour for me to be speaking with you. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. No, going to have some fun. This will, this will be fun. I like having fun, as you will see. <laughs> <laughs> introduced you as uh, Greg Noonan and the General Jacksons. So would you like to tell everybody a little bit about your band? Oh, right. Well, the band General Jacksons is, well, it's, it's been a four-piece for a number of years. Uh, Liam Chandler on drums, um, Mark Holbert on bass. Uh, we've previously had uh, two prominent guitarists, Felix Akarangi, who moved up to uh, Queensland with his family uh, not that long after COVID all settled down. And we also had um, Billy Barnett on guitar, uh, alternating with Felix, you know, um, filling the gigs. So four piece and and the General Jackson's uh, name come about after doing some research on some different names. There's a a showboat out of, uh, on the Mississippi, out mm-hmm. of um, Nashville, Tennessee, over in the States, called the General Jackson. Mm-hmm. And it's a showboat where they've got all sorts of different touring acts performing on that from bluegrass, country, blues, rock and roll. And I could relate to that yeah. uh, as our sound. We, we pull a lot of different influences um, together to, to find our own version of blue soul, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And, and hence we went with that name. I love it. I think it's just, um, it's a really good name and I'm glad that you did some research and just didn't like go into it without, you know, really delving into what it would mean to have that name. So I think that was a great idea. You, and, you know, funny, one funny thing I could tell you is we played the boat shed in mm-hmm. Manly here in, um, one evening and these guys um, from America come up front of stage and said, General Jacksons, we love the name. We're from Nashville. And as soon as I said that, I knew they were like knowing about our name from the General Jackson. And yeah. I got off stage later and we'll, they, they said, yeah, well, that's an amazing boat, man. Have you been on? I said, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, was, that was cool. Yeah, that that's really cool circle. to have that acknowledgement, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Definitely. Now, you guys, do you write all of your own music? Yes, uh, we write all our own music and um, choose choice covers that complement what we uh, what we play as well. So when we're not shy to experiment, find, maybe uh, yeah. that's that's exactly it. Experiment yeah. and and uh, but yeah, but we you know the albums that we've released are all our own music. Yeah, that's fantastic. And a little bit later on, we're going to break and add a couple of your tracks in, which I'm very excited about everybody listening to. Yeah. So we can talk a little bit more about that later. Now, how long have you been in the industry? Well, I remember moving down to Melbourne. I grew up on 
a big farm northern Victoria, um, and I went down to Melbourne uh, for last year of schooling and it went into university and. I was already gigging when I was 16, 17. Awesome. Um, yeah, so by the time I went down to Melbourne, it was like, get the gloves off, let's get serious. Yeah. And um, I learned a lot um, going to gigs with uh, Jeff Aitchison and Dutch Tilders, a couple of blues legends. Um, and they used to run jam nights. Mm-hmm. And I was just a young disciple. <laughs> and I learned as much as I could uh, with the likes of Lloyd Spiegel attending, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Ash Grunwald, and uh, a raft of different players that were, you know, just still playing the scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just doing the best we could. Yeah. So, yeah. so from 16, like, you must have started playing, like, really young. I, look, I I remember the, the summer actually. Look, because I'm youngest of, of seven, and my other sister, eleven years older than me. Yeah. She brought her um, her fiance home one particular Christmas, and he used to always bring his guitar. And we have a guitar laying around the house. We had a piano as well, um, but I idolised him, and he, he he could see I you know watching him on the guitar and. He, he showed me how to play one summer. He just taught me how to teach myself, and and by the next summer he was like, "Whoa, you've been playing!" Yeah, and, and awesome. That, that's just how it starts. So you know, it's probably around about twelve, thirteen. Right, right. Uh, when I first started to really get into it. And, yeah. and when did you get your first uh, your first guitar of your own? I, I it would have been my thirteenth birthday um, that I got my first steel string guitar. Um, because I was using my brother's nylon string, which is better from the fingers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and but he was just getting annoyed with me playing it all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so mum and dad, uh, they uh, they got me uh, guitar. Yeah, then at thirteen, mm-hmm. and now and then that year, I played my first performance because they five years older than me. They turned eighteen. Yeah, and they had their. Uh, celebration at the local pub, the bottom pub in Cobham. Yeah. And they had that night, Jim Owen uh, was touring Victoria. Oh, he yeah, cool. a, yeah, and, and they had a uh, an Irish band um, supporting me even playing. And my brother said, mate, for my birthday present, I want you to get up and play, play some music. And so I, I did. That was my very first live performance on, on guitar. Wow. And, uh, Can you remember <laughs> what you played? I do. I played La Bamba. Oh, Richie awesome. Bellas. Nice. Yeah. Now, did you sing it as well? I did. I did. I, well, funnily enough, uh, I, I, that night I'd been in a school musical <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm laughing because I was the Indian envoy, so I was like in a turban, and I had like this coffee cream <laughs> to, to make me look the part. And it was a really funny uh, script and and localized show, um, and 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 they actually put on extra shows because it, it sold extra tickets. But I, Mum, that night said, "We're going to be down the top pub, so just clean yourself up and, and make your way down there and get the ride home with us." 
And that's how it happened. I was, <laughs> I must have, I must have sunk to high heaven of coffee, but I got oh, up and dear. played La Bamba in front of this crowd. And I bet, it, I bet they all loved you as well. They did. Like I was just nervous as hell. I was shaking, but I'd played that song to death because oh. I had that. It was around the time that Richie, that the story this, of Richie Valens yeah. and Lost Lobos, you know, playing that music and and that, that movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. That, so that's where it started. <laughs> that's fantastic. You know how blessed to have not only um, so many other siblings, but ones that are musical as well, because it was bound to rub off on you. Oh, it, it was. Look, I think um, my brother's just been such a, a supporter of, of my music over the years. You know, I've been overseas. He's even travelled over to uh, to be on the tour with me and. Um, and and that you can't underestimate that early influence. Absolutely honest, not. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. So, how many people in your family play an instrument or sing? Well, not all. I mean, my mother and father never never sang or, or played an instrument. They were they were wondering where I got it from. Um, right. But my sister tried to teach me a bit of guitar when I was six, and I, I just didn't want to have a bar of it. <laughs> um, so she was a bit musical. The other sister, my other sister, uh, she she's a great singer. Um, and my brother, uh, he dabbled a little bit, but I I just went both feet. Yeah, good um, on you. Pre- pretty quick on it. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> so would you say that your family was your earliest influence uh, to get you playing, of course, uh, with that uh, nylon string guitar? But what about other music that may have been around? Because because having um, other siblings, they would have been playing, you know, the music of the day. So was totally. there so was there something in? Oh yeah, there. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Though my sisters, because because they were the eldest, and they're, I guess you know the big influence on on the rest of us. They um, they were listening to Deep Purple. Of course. Uh, status quo, Led Zeppelin, um, some some pretty good rock and roll stuff, uh, and and they really that that was their cup of tea. Probably late seventies, early eighties. They didn't really get into that uh, the eighties sort of style of music. Mm-hmm. They're pretty loyal to the to the rock and roll. Yeah, and that that heavily influenced the the style of music that I you know I, mean, I remember my brother bringing home this box set of blues greats. Oh. And and that really was like, oh wow, what's this? Yeah, how lucky! And I, <gasps> That's oh, awesome. And I remember, I remember the the day I I, I heard Stevie Ray Vaughan. It just changed my life. Yeah, was, were you like, I want to be that guy? Yeah, it was it, it was um it was something really cool and attractive about it. It was so strong yet and. And I heard Hendrix in it, but it wasn't Hendrix. I'm like going, wow, because my mate just put it on. We just went up to his cool room after skateboarding and, mm-hmm. and he's just put on some music. I went, who's this? Yeah. And he said, he said Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right? I said, oh, I, I thought he was like a classical guitarist. I said, no, man, he's, he's just check this out. And I was just, oh, I had to have that tape. Oh, day. absolutely. I, that tape, I like that. 
yeah, yeah. Tape. I, I, yeah, I high speed dubbed that onto a fresh tape of mine at home and then chewed through that and I just couldn't stop listening to it and learn it. I, I just had to, that's when. And you were learning it off the tape? Off the tape, yeah, yeah. totally. It's um, we've been so blessed with uh, all of these great guitar players like Hendrix, like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, like um, oh gosh, his name just went totally. out of my head. Yeah, you know all of those greats. Totally. Like, wow, how lucky yeah. are we to to be able to, um, you know, have the music being tra- transferred from record to tape to CD to MP3 or WAV or, you know, and, yeah. and on the platforms that we can get it now, I think we're very spoilt, you I, know. I think so. I, I, I think in in ways it's um, – I, 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 I've likened it to like um, there's two styles of eating out in a way. You can go to a Chinese restaurant where there's so much – to choose from i'm a bit like i'm really hungry i'm not sure what I'll, i'm like i don't know what i'll like mm-hmm. and i've had the experience as, as no no doubt everybody else where you there's a, a chef that comes out and said just tells you what they're he's going to feed you or he she's going to feed you and i like it in a way i think sometimes it's it was too sport for choices and in, in some way sometimes we, we need to um we need to just focus a little bit more um, but on the other end of the scale, though, the vast uh, talent that's out there that possibly would not have heard heard of um, because they're not with a major label or, or what have you, yeah, it's, exactly. it's pretty unbelievable. Exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. So, Greg, now I know you play the most delicious guitar. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you play other instruments? I do. I I love playing drums. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love. Um, I, I probably would have considered myself uh, a a drummer before even a a, a guitar player. I, I I love the drums that much, but it, it was never going to happen in in our household. I think it was it was just too obnoxious <laughs> for my father. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so the guitar was was the glove, and and that's fine, but. Um, the my very first band I, I played um, I played baseball. Oh, cool! Um, I just you know three guitarists and I knew the other guys really wanted. And I said I'm I'm happy to play bass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a good sense of of playing bass, as does George Regardos, who we were just talking about <clears throat> yes. earlier before you press record. He's a fantastic bass player. He sure is. Yeah. He's yeah. fantastic at everything. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he actually is. He is. He's, no, he's no, uh, no talking that up. He just is. He sure yeah. is. And you know who yeah. else is really good too? Billy Barnett. Oh, he's uh, he's just phenomenal, and it's just been uh, so so cool to have uh, have gigs with Billy, where you see the the direct effect he has when he's in the zone on on other people. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were talking about the first band you were in. So was that a band you put together or you joined that band? It was me and uh, and uh, three other mates and we were just we used to hang out a fair bit and um, were able to jam at my farm. And uh, we said, well, let's, let's, let's write songs and let's do gigs. And 
and we did. We and we we had a number of different cover songs, and we played uh, played some different pubs. Um, being on the Murray River, there was houseboat parties that were, we played as well nice. on the Murray River. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know just formative times where you go, wow, how this, how cool is this? We're playing a gig and um, and just got the taste of of what it was like that you were in control of of putting a performance together. You know. Yeah, it is pretty cool, isn't it? It's, there's really nothing like it. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Nothing no, like it. No. Nothing quite like it. So those early songs, it was a collaboration? Uh, it was. Um, look, look one, the main guy, uh, my main mate of, of the time, he lives down in Melbourne now. I'm actually in, touring down there next week and I'll get to catch up with him. Um, Andrew Carr, he was great at writing songs so he penned most of them mm. and um I, I was coming up with some riffs um and we we started to forge some songs together but he he was on the front foot with that first and i think what that did with me was uh, it i guess it, at that age we're, we're a bit competitive but it, it really <laughs> as, pulled my as head as boys in. are as boys are <laughs> And it just it, it got me into um, firing up the jets and going, well, like, well, we can't have him writing all the songs. So, but he was he, he was really really good at it, um, and I think I learned a lot from from that. And he actually had a little bit more experience in playing in another band, um, so he had he did have a little bit more experience than than me. Um, he he was playing drums for that band too, so. Um, that's it's interesting how that can fire fire you up. You, it you know, is. You go, oh, yeah. Yeah. And how old would you say you were when you were in that band? Uh would have been fourteen, fifteen. Wow, how um, cool is that? Fourteen or fifteen playing in pubs. Yeah, well, that, that's the beauty of having older brothers. He had an older brother too, <laughs> and they, they were quite happy to take us. <laughs> and he's the youngest, and I was the youngest. Um. um you know, thankful for older brothers and sisters who, you know, hey. numb, numbed mum and dad to the senses <laughs> of us being in places we shouldn't have been. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long did that band go for? Oh, that would have just gone for a couple of years, Max. Yeah. Because um, I, I remember, yeah, I, I was I was to head down to uh to melbourne it was 17 and uh, we had a big going away party at the the shearing shed um and yeah so I just packed it all up then but we ended up um man Kari andrew carr started the band down in melbourne um that we we did pretty well we had more music we we're interested in so we ended up getting distribution with them mm-hmm. and um I ended up leaving the band to head up north. Mm-hmm. I was travelling around and playing on the road up there, and um, fabulous. I just, I, I just felt I had to get out, and 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 that's when I was on the road and playing in different places, like in, in Queensland, and and then come back down and settle more in, in Newcastle, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. but it was, it was playing music for a full time for a living. How good uh, is that? Oh. How good is that? Now, those early years of travelling around uh, regional Australia and, and such, 
you would have come across some rowdy crowds, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I have Newcastle, been... Newcastle's a wild town. Is I, it? I've oh, had some <laughs> wild shows there. Oh, definitely. How did you handle it being a young chap and, um, you know, being faced with that? Oh, you learn a lot. Like, <laughs> I, you, you just, I think... One of the, one of the things is you just keep going on yep. with the show. Yep. I remember we played the Great Northern, me and a fella as a duo. Um, I remember it was packed, and and the um, Newcastle Knights was there. Uh, Andrew Johns, and no, we just had the whole crowd. Cool. And then the power the power went out, <laughs> and and we. Uh, me and Crooksy, we just looked at each other and just smiled and just went, we're doing acapellas. We just got up on our chairs with the acoustics and, and just got the crowd singing. Oh, that's and, awesome. Fantastic. And you, you just sort of work out what's good and, and obviously, you know, what's not good. I had plenty of dud gigs. There <laughs> um, <laughs> you go. Don't want to ever play we, that, do that again. Or We learn, I guess, don't you? Oh, you got to. You really you got to. <laughs> Oh, totally. So in those early years, there was some original music, but what kind of covers did you play? Was it like rock covers or easy listening or blues? Great question. I, I've always played blues and I think covers for me was, was not something that really come easy. And I really, I think having played Melbourne, like it's, it was like your originals or your covers, and I, and I think because we were an original band and, and had some local success, we had a following down there enough to, you know, play some really good rooms. And I was sort of felt I wasn't ever going to go away and just then turn into a covers guy. Right. However, I did just have to learn on the on on the go. You know, and different scenes require different flavors and. That's so true. Was, yeah, I was doing sort of more like blues, rock um, covers, and and um, and just picking up picking up the songs along the way, just clocking like you know certain places wanted a certain style, so I'd, I'd you know sit down and learn some of those songs if I was going back, or if I had some success that could have that I could grow on, you know. Yeah. So. Now, did you find, you mentioned about, um, you know, oh, okay, so a certain venue might want you to do, I don't know, Lionel Richie. <laughs> I don't know. And just yeah. for example, now you probably wouldn't normally listen to that. How hard was it or was it easy for you to then go away and learn a couple of his songs? It, it's... One of those things where a lot of the songs or places I'd play and have some sort of success with, it was, it was all derivative off the blues anyway. So of say, course. You know, yeah. so give you an example, say Steve Miller Band, they're, they're, they're all like blues-based songs, really. Yeah. Like as the technical term, one, four, five, and it's got a different feel or or a, a, um, a bit more of a rocky edge or a soft rock. It's, it's a... There's a flavour going through it. Yes. Um, yep. And so it wasn't that hard. I think um, just taking the time to go, well, what are the songs that would be best suited for me to uh, put myself in into those more 
Um, and so I was like, you know, um, looking at songs like uh, Steve Miller Band, Van Morrison, mm-hmm. Eagles, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and making um, some fun out of, out of different sing-long songs, um, Kenny Rogers. Um, was I remember like thinking, I'm, what am I doing? Seeing Kenny Rogers, I just fell in love with vocal phrasing, yeah. the gambler, and and, yeah. and the lyrics. I'm like, it works. So let's just have fun. You know yeah. the the amount of uh, country or regional shows that we've done, and every single time someone will ask for the gambler. <laughs> every it's, time, it, it's a schooling of our of, of our, I, I guess that heritage of, of the entertainment, what influence overseas music's had on us and mm. singing along in the moments people have had. That's what they want to relive. That's right. You're 100% right. People, um, yeah, that that's exactly what they do and, and what they want because the music takes them back. And, totally. um, you know, <laughs> there's nothing more nostalgic than somebody who's had one or two. Oh, <laughs> and and, and, and I think... You know, those good times are influenced off you, but, you know, I I, I had nights where I was tired of uh, playing the same stuff as well, you know, and mm. there's that artist's exhaustion that it's real. Yes. Um, and, you, I, I just, I didn't want to have a day job and I, didn't want to, I just knew I just wanted to, to play and I had skills to do it, but, you know, you run the business, you you know, sometimes you're doing six gigs a week and then the others are doing a, only a few and, um, yeah, you you got to do what you do. But, you know, I feel grateful for the quiet of the times where the artistic flow has been able to create albums and songs that really mean something, you know. That's right, and and you do have to have downtime. Now, before we go any further, because I do, I have still many questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have sent me a couple of uh, of your singles. Now, the first one I'd like to play for the listeners is called "Be Like Water." Now, would you like to tell everybody what that's a little bit of, a little bit about, sure. please? Sure. So Be Like Water uh, wrote itself pretty quick. Um, not all songs write themselves quick with me, but this did. I had, had a, a pretty um, profound conversation with my sister in COVID. She was going through um, a nasty divorce. And thing. Yeah, she was, she was just just finding, finding some things really hard and, and we, we've always had a really um, quite earthy, spiritual sort of talk about things through hard times. And and I'd been reading a book uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote about the Tao Te Ching, the 81 verse of the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. And I literally that day before speaking, my sister said, there's this verse that talks about be like water, where I think a lot of us would, would remember Bruce Lee talking about how water becomes the glass and yes. and it's, it moves, it goes with what is. And we were speaking about that and she just found a lot of comfort with with that talk and um, off the back of that, you know, got into that book. And 
But that following day, I uh, it was during lockdowns, yeah. And um, I, I the, the song just come come forth. So I think I was I was feeling pent up like everybody else with this not being able to go anywhere and stresses with uh, what was going on and and wrote that song and and then uh, that got recorded and uh, Buckley's Brewery in the Northern Beaches. Uh, loved it on that much. They said, we're going to make a beer for you with this and, and that, that'll help. Now, isn't that know, a great this. story? That's a fantastic yeah. story. So yeah. I think we might pause a little moment here and let's listen to Be Like Water. Stop playing. 
well, Greg. I really love that song. It's it's very meaningful, and for it to be written uh, in a short amount of time, it feels to me like it would have taken ages to write. So I think you have something special, and a special understanding of words, of lyrics, of meanings, and of how the guitar weaves it all together. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, to, to, that's, that's a gift, isn't it, to, to be able to play music. It's just oh, oh, look, thank, it, so it, thankful. It certainly is. Uh, so you mentioned about the, that particular track, Come mm-hmm. All of a Sudden, and there's some that don't come very easily at all. Uh, yeah. For me, I wrote a song yesterday, <laughs> yesterday or this morning, might have been oh, cool. yesterday. I'll lie yeah. in bed, four o'clock in the morning, and I just go, oh, that's some song lyrics, and I just get my phone out and I just write it down, and within three minutes there's a song there and I can hear exactly how it's supposed to be played. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, so. so I'm a strong believer that when things like like that happen, like we're, we're like a radio station and we, we're receiving it and, and it's, uh, that 100%. creativity, creativity's got to be put down on paper or, 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 or put through in the groove or melody, and and, and allow the process. It's so important. That sounds really cool. Like that, I love that when that happens. It's so cool. Oh yeah! Look, the first uh, blues song that I wrote because this was a blues song. The first one that I wrote, I was on the way to the doctors, and I'm going, ah. Oh, because I'm hearing it in my head, oh, there's some lyrics to a song. And I'm like, wah. So anyway, I've got to the doctors and she's like, oh, you want to book in? I'm like, oh, yeah, but just hang on a sec because I was writing down the lyrics. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) So when I come out of there, I said to, I rung my husband and I said, oh, I've just written a song. And he said, well, hurry up and we'll have a listen and see what we can do with it. And we performed it that night at, um, at, uh, the jam out at Coogee when it was out there. No and way, Coogee oh, yeah. Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to go from a three-minute, yep, just got to write it down to, yep, we know how this is going to go and to perform it and, it and it played perfectly. And it's just like that's how it's meant to be. That's so cool. That's really cool that you had the conviction to go, we're doing it tonight and you got your ducks lined up to do it like that. <laughs> That's you know? kind. That's kind of me, though. I go. I don't like wait around for anything. I just go like I'm doing it, and that's, that's that. Great. <laughs> that's really that's such a good quality to have. Good on you. It is, and good on you too for writing something so beautiful. And what strikes me also is that how you helped your sister through her hard time. Yeah, I think I think that's. Um, it's what a lot of music's about, you know. It's it's you've got to remember that we're um, we're elevating and taking people on a ride with their emotions, um, and telling stories. And I I think you know um, it's humbling. It's, I, it certainly is. Yes. I remember hearing recently that Bob Dylan in an interview was saying. He didn't. He, he he couldn't explain how he wrote those songs. He said, "I couldn't write songs like then now," mm. and and it was just interesting. I mean, it's freaking Bob Dylan, right? Like, what do you uh, mean? And he's gone. It was a special time that I was a, I was the envelope to, 
to these these stories, these messages, these lyrics, these songs. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, um, what has always, and I've said this before, it's always struck me about, about Bob Dylan is that he could just sing like 20 verses of a song without any prompting. He just had them there and he would repeat them, you know, like play them over and over and it's just like, where is that coming from? So whenever whenever we do... <laughs> Whenever we do a song that's, you know, originally from Bob Dylan, I go, it's not from, not, it's not Bob Dylan's version. <laughs> we'd, yeah, be, we'd be yeah. here all night, mate. <laughs> oh, so true. It is, but what a genius, eh? What a what genius. A geni- but oh, genius. not the best singer, <laughs> but what oh, a genius. Oh, God, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, and, and he, brought, he brought that to us, as with so many other musicians and yourself included, that, you know, as you said, being the conduit for this, for these words and these this yes. meaningful conversations that we're having with the universe, you know, and yeah. we're then sharing them. There's There's got to be something special in that, I think. Oh, so special. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So now during COVID... That was a really hard time being a professional music a musician and really not having a, a day job, so to speak, of being musicianship is your yes. is your day job. How yes. did you cope? Because one day we were gigging, then the next it was just all taken away from us. So- yeah, it was pretty pretty full on, I think. Um, uh, look, I, I had a business doing training, consulting for companies, um, uh, helping middle management drive engagement with their people. And, um, and my music was still every weekend as well. Um, but when the second lockdown, I converted everything to digital for my clients. Um, but I thought, if this is, we're going to get locked down again. This is something to look good. And so with, with that form of income and the music, I was, it was, wasn't wasn't good there for a bit. Was, I think a lot of us, you know, we're just putting on a brave face. But oh, um, we all we all struggled. That's for sure. We all struggled. I think everybody struggled, struggled. and um, I can't quite believe that that's happened in my lifetime. It's it's um, I know it's, it it does. It feels like another lifetime. It's um, mm. I, I, but on the same thing I think off the back of, of COVID, I decided to go back to feed into uh, full-time music um, and and off the success of, of a, a program I was running off to Facebook and YouTube called Good Afternoon, and which was a, a music show and I had um, friends dialing in um, on the screen as well. I was using, I'm not sure if you use StreamYard at all. It's a really great platform. I have done. I have done for my psychic yeah. stuff, so, but not yeah. for music, no. And um, it, it, it worked really well and was getting a lot of hits and um, but, and that's what I was doing. Um, I, I just just thought this feels right. And so, off, you know, when, when the music come back into play, you know, it was like, bang, instead of just three gigs a weekend, I was doing, you know, six, seven gigs, so, you know, a couple of 
yeah, even up to eight gigs a week. Oh, that's you know. fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Did you yeah. did you take that time in lockdown to write more, or what, were the creative juices flowing, or no? Well, we yeah we did, and we we actually uh, finished our album uh, in lockdown. Um, we thankfully had beds down, but um, we all got um, logic on our and set up home home recording setup mm-hmm. and we finished we finished the album which funnily enough a lot of the tracking for Be Like Water was uh was done in my little homemade studio. Um which is yeah, which is great. So yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when when you when you're locked down you, you, you go inward, right? You go into that sanctuary inside to yes. to to fire up those um creative creative juices that we've all got. And I think it was a little bit of a reset too for, you know, if you're doing six, eight, ten shows a week, at some mm. point you need a bit of a rest. Totally, totally. You know, so even though it was quite stressful, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I do believe that it did help us all in, in that way because uh, we had absolutely. no option but to rest. <laughs> and, I, and I think... You're absolutely right, and I think the great resignation was a lot of, off the back of that. People were just resetting, going, "You know what? <laughs> I'm not going back this office job anymore. I'm not doing this exactly. anymore. I'm I'm doing something. It's it's like this empowerment comeback. Yes, um, that's that's been quite liberating. I think a lot of people have who perhaps resisted to the opportunity would probably be feeling it now. I wish I had the opportunity. I, I should have would have, could have, you know. But. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have heard people say that actually. They're like, oh, I wish we had lockdown again because I just need a rest and I wouldn't have gone back to work and I wouldn't have done this and I wouldn't have done that. I would have done this. Well, yeah, yeah like, yes. Uh, now, it was it during lockdown that you did Muso Mastery? Yes. Um, it was, it come to mind, I was toying with, the idea of like I've, I've been doing corporate training for so many years mm-hmm. um, but I've been doing music for like you know 30 years like why don't I use my skills in, in coaching and training to to perhaps help people um, and, and it really only took more of a shape when I was running been running a blues jam um, that started out of Surrey Hills, uh, Bad Mummers, capacity 40 people. Mm-hmm. And the boat shed, it was, um, you know, 60, 80 people there weekly. And then it's grown now to over 100 people for this monthly jam at the Crow's Nest. But I found through doing that, a lot of musicians who I consider need to be playing a lot more than they are, just perhaps weren't for, for a number of different reasons. And, and I, I kind of think that, as musicians, we, we need to we need to be able to help each other as as like a, a apprenticeship, you know. Always hundred percent, hundred percent helping people up to bring them into different pockets that you know they're perhaps not been performing in, or, or you yourself been brought into certain areas of playing that that you could further yourself in. And mm-hmm. and this is the whole this is the whole I guess process and and way of thinking that I've been developing for um, Muso Mastery is to help musicians up their game, not necessarily just in their their music or their performance, which that it still does, but it's also the art of, of you know, being an independent musician 
what yeah. it takes to have the, the mindset to hustle, uh, to talk to people appropriately, to get opportunities and playing gigs, uh, to tour, to play festivals, um, to you know get paid uh, properly, to yeah. get um, and, and so that that's that's where it all come from. Yeah, it was off the back of putting both feet back into the music, seeing that you know uh, there's opportunity to help people. Yeah. Um, with the experience and the first intake's been absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, congratulations! Um, thank you. And literally in, in the next short while, I'll be taking on more um, mm-hmm. who who, uh, who are interested to um, to look and, and learn and be part of a, a small commu- growing community of of uh, musicians upping their game in uh, in the music in the music game. That's fantastic. So, do you do one on one, or you do like a workshop scenario? How does how does it work? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a good question. It's coaching based, one on one coaching based, and there's online uh, coaching. Um, there's an online program with all with six different modules that take you through um, through one where you're at with your music. Um, you know, what's, what do you need to, what sort of thinking and way of working do you need to get yourself aligned to, uh, to have success? The second part, uh, two modules is around creating your package. Mm-hmm. And we help work one-on-one with that as well, uh, to then getting yourself playing the shows. Uh, we help curate us into, uh, into playing and uh, looking at you know forward thinking and planning as to what it's going to look like for you as a musician in your style and feel field of what you you, you wish to be doing that's great yeah. so you so you're doing all genres of music yep uh, anyone who's like you know it's early days yet i mean it's the, the coaching base is is like oh, all right what is it that you where is it that you'd like to go where are you now where would you like to go and solving those problems or roadblocks on that artists have yes. to move yourself into tangible results. So, um, yeah. Do you that's, feel? That's a, yeah. Do you feel as though uh, many musicians are their own worst enemy because yes, they can play, but they maybe undersell themselves, themselves, or they don't know how to. Um, even with coaching maybe, they don't know how to sell their product, sell their brand because totally. pe- a yeah. lot of people think that, oh, you just get up there and play. Well, it's not like that at all. You actually have to have a brand. You've got to be able to sell yourself uh, yeah. to the venue or to the person that you're dealing with um, to get gigs. So if you're not good at that, but can play, well, it's it's kind of a big package. Are you finding that there's a lot of that? Totally. Uh, I think it's it's trying to make sense of the chaos of art. Mm-hmm. So if we if we look at a play basket for a kid, right, mm-hmm. they love to play, and you look at their basket, it's like, oh, my God, you've got Lego in here, you've got balls, you've got all sorts of stuff going on, mm-hmm. right? But you just sort of unpack that and you go, all right, well, let's just put this in order. So when someone, another kid comes in, they can see what the opportunity is here. Yes. And and so by doing that, it's just going, oh, gee, do you notice what your style is, what you're doing here? You've got 
certain amount of these songs, you've got a certain amount of that. They can come, come together, but if you add another little element here, this is what how your package could look. And and having that objectivity, that, you know, that perhaps outside window looking in, that can really help give you as an artist that, oh, my God, I haven't even thought of that. That's what, This is right, okay. Yeah, that's, that's and, really great. I love that. Yeah, okay. just making sense of of the chaos of being an artist to to getting some sort of a structure that can make sense where you can go, this is what I'm about, or this is adding some elements that you perhaps haven't considered. That it's not it's not reinventing the wheel; it's actually working, doubling down on the good things that you've got. Yep. Can then help paint that picture, clearer pictures to then, as you say, sell yourself. You can go to a, a particular venue and go this is this is what we do and this is how many people we could bring to the night and and knowing the right things to say yes. to get different to get different results that's exactly right and uh it only sometimes takes the wrong word and you don't get looked at you know it not, is, not being yeah. able to pro- to pro- project what it is ex- precisely what it is you do that's uh, a big a big part of being a musician as well and and I, I relate that too. And when you're talking to me about covers, you know, it's a bit of a you, internal. It's internally trying to work out what it is, and you you, you sometimes don't feel like you're clear on something for, for months and years. Um, and and that's that's fine. But I, I, I wished when I was 19, 20 that. You know, I had someone that would come along and just help make sense of some things and give that support um and that's for sure yeah the opportunity is now for um for artists to get that out there you know yeah well i wish you all the success with that and i know you will be successful thank you you're welcome now let's talk a little bit about your jam out at crow's nest i believe that's on the first sunday of every month that's right yeah from four four till seven on uh the first Sunday of each month, yeah, Crow's right. Nest Hotel. Crow's Nest Hotel. I was just going to say where exactly is it so that uh, people can find that out. Now, these different things we've been talking about, how can yes. how can the listeners uh, contact you or is there a website for this or a Facebook page for this or should they just rock up to um, the Crow's Nest Hotel and... Um, yeah, great, great question. Um, look, I... You can absolutely rock up on the day uh, to the Crow's Nest Hotel, first Sunday of each month. And the next one uh, would be the fifth Sunday, the 5th of November. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Sunday, 3rd of December, if you missed that November one. Um, you can look me up on uh, on Facebook, uh, Greg Noonan, N-U-N-A-N. And you'll see me wearing a, a, uh, a flannelette shirt with a Stratocaster in hand. That's me. <laughs> Yeah. Or you can reach out uh, to me via musomastery.pro. Perfect. Perfect. I'd I'd hope that you had something special for that. So that's perfect. So what I'll do is I'll grab those links off you and I'll insert them to the description of the interview. And uh, that way people can just click on them and uh, they'll be taken straight to you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, make contact and and look at it and and 
um, I know I've you know pitched a program that's that's commercial that's but if you have any anything that you you need help with just reach out because I, I do just I'm helping a lot of artists that aren't necessarily in the in the uh, musician masterclass program um, so please do reach out let's get you amongst the great musicians that we've got in the community to have a play at the crow's nest hotel um, so you can find me um, via that website or facebook or instagram at greg noonan you'll find my handle Oh, cool. Well, we'll get that uh, that link as well there and, and put it in at the end. Now, I want to take just this moment uh, so that we can listen to the second single that you've sent me, and that's a beautiful ballad called Our World. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I received in the mail a notice from uh, APRA looking for musicians calling of arms musicians to write the next Qantas song um, and I, I we're all seeing uh, call Australia home Peter Allen song right yeah but they were wanting it was a new campaign and um, I half wrote a song and then I got the opportunity to play over in Singapore for the first time wow. which is incredible it was that was incredible itself my first night jamming with Deep Purple oh, I didn't know what was it. yeah yeah, it was it was incredible. So I was fully inspired off that and the whole experience of being overseas playing and I thought I'm I'm not gonna staple myself down as this song just for Australia and I, I thought I'm gonna write a song about a world with no borders, uh, which is what the song's about. It's called Our World. Yeah, Beautiful. Well, we'll take a moment now and we will listen to Our World. Peoples, peoples, 
I really have to congratulate you on your writing skills and your playing skills. You're very, very, very talented. Congratulations. Thanks so much, Crystal. Thank you. You're welcome. You really are. Now, having done so many gigs, I'm sure you've got a funny story or two or an interesting story or two. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to share something with us? There's... One particular one that um, uh, I, I hadn't told this story until recently. It's been it's pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I um, so I was going to be d- doing a couple of shows uh, down in Melbourne. I was meeting the band down in Manly. We we're going to get uh, cabs to the airport, and I was running late. And my idea was. Uh, just going to jump in my ute, which is a whole, there's a song called Diesel 86, which tells a story about this ute. It's, it did a million kilometers. It was what? a rust bucket. It was an old diesel Hilux. <laughs> right. Anyway, threw the gear down, went down to Manly. The idea to park it down in, in the car park down there, you know, you've got two hour limit, of course. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was once I get down there, I'd call my wife just to say, when you come home, can you just make sure you get the car out of there and, and whatnot. So we end up going to the airport and everything like that, but I hadn't, I didn't call Lizzie. Uh-oh. I was, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I get back um, and I'm, you know, need to use the car to go do something. 
and I get out and I'm like, where's my car? Well, my car was parked. My car was parked in the street. Where, <laughs> where is it? I must have parked it around the corner. Where well, it's not there. Where? This is weird. Anyway, <laughs> couldn't find it anywhere. Anywhere. It was like, this is ridiculous. We called the police. We made yeah. a report, described the vehicle. They took the face to face, took him, taking the details. Right, okay, we're going to put a search out for it. Don't worry if we we pick up anything, we'll let you know. And and I I actually had a an, a, an actual car years ago stolen and torched, so it wasn't oh, a nice feeling. It felt like no. I was reliving it. Oh. And I'm like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> 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 anyway, so literally three weeks, three weeks yeah. after all that. I went down to Manly in and um, in our second car and parked down the, in the garage. Drove in, <laughs> I saw the car, and I burst, <laughs> I burst out, I burst out laughing because it all came back to me. It all come back to me. And it was in the garage. It was it was in the carport, like the the carport, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Woolies, uh, the Coles car park, and I was. I was like embarrassed and laughed. I was by myself when this happened. I called Livy and, and we were just laughing, going, Oh my God, this is you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to get it out. I had to get it out of the car park, and, and obviously. And I was thinking, This is going to be exorbitant, this fee. I was just so thinking that. I got to the gate and I pressed the buzzer and I said, um, I'm just trying to work this out because I, I've left my car in overnight. <laughs> right. Trying trying to do the right thing. I've had a few drinks with my mates and didn't, you know, and it's like three hundred dollars. Like what? The, <gasps> this is not, and they're like, oh, no, that's you, what last the only one night. Yeah, why? Well, <laughs> I talked my way out of it and I said, okay, all right, look, just pay the minimum. What this is what it'd be. And I was something like $50. <laughs> yeah. paid it oh, and gee, you got out of that pretty good. I got out of that. I got yeah. out of that. So, <laughs> what about uh, uh, a story from a gig? Something that was funny that happened at a gig? Because we oh. spoke about earlier about um, regional areas, and I love regional areas. They're my favourite thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, they can be rowdy. I Yeah, I've got one. Funny looking back at it now, but I, it was pretty nerve-wracking. Um, played Singleton's um, pub. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the pub. But it was right on the train line where the coal miners finished work. Oh, and yeah, yeah. got off and and we had to play 6 a.m. sharp. So oh, my I got, God. I yeah. got this agent called me up, said, you guys want you guys to play this gig. Um, you need to start 6 a.m. sharp. Like, oh, what? Really? Yeah, it's a 6 a.m. miners gig. Anyway, um, sure enough, we've set up, ready to go, started at 6 a.m. On the dot, like, the, the miners just come bursting through the doors just, Getting the the booze in or double fisting with the the schooners of new and oh. um, they had party pies and everything brought out and, and it was party, <laughs> party time. So was, yeah, yeah, I know, right? It was, love it, love it. It, it was not to hundred, right at six a.m. And um, I thought we're just looking at each other, going, "This is interesting." And we just had we floored it, and it was a, a full on party. But then How there was a say? then there was a, a punch up. <laughs> there we go. There was, there, was a, there was a punch up, and, and I felt like it was in the Blues Brothers. We just 
we just kept going. <laughs> we, just, we just didn't stop. We didn't stop. Oh, that's um, hilarious. Yeah. So you didn't have a cage fun. around you, though. No, no, no. We, we we could have done with some chicken wire, but there was none there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at any at any point fear for your safety in case they come barreling towards you? Yeah, well, well there was no particular stage. It was just like on the you know the good old jerk, put them in the corner. Um, but yeah, I was yeah. we were looking at each other, just going, just keep keep going because. The worst thing you can do is to stop. They oh, reckon, like, no, don't if stop. you can just, you can keep keep some sort of calm energy. It just, you're like the calm in the in the whole scene. <laughs> and um, that would have been <laughs> fabulous. Oh dear! I'll never forget it. It was like, what the hell? I felt like I was in a weird movie. Like a yeah, Tarantino yeah, right. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds like one, doesn't it? It sounds, oh. yeah, that sounds fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So oh. what's coming up for you? I uh, I also happen to know that uh, sometimes you accompany Fran Little Big Mama on her radio program. Yes, yes. Big Mama on uh, Eastside Radio every third Thursday. I know it's a hard one to remember, but we put it out on our socials and she's um, she just started doing it and got me in as a guest. She said, oh, my God, we just had so much fun. She said, oh, why don't you consider, you know, joining me for um, for these radio programs? As, you know, we'll do it together. Fabulous, and, uh, fabulous. And, yeah, so... Um, it's been been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, that's good. And you know, as long as things are fun, just keep doing them. I reckon. Totally, totally, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, Greg, what is the best live act or show you've ever seen? And this can include overseas artists as well as Australian. Oh, that's a that's a really good good question. I, there's a number of different acts, but I think. One that I saw recently that I think is one of Australia's best three-piece acts and they hadn't been playing shows for a while and these guys have played a lot of gigs and they ended up getting into the top 40 over in America. A band called Chase the Sun. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Chase the Sun, they're amazing. They've just got something going on. that it's, it's They're like obviously just red-hot players. Um, but the synergy of this three-piece, um, you know, between Jan's guitar and, and singing, um, Howler on the drums, like this with such John Bonham vibes, and and Ryan Van Gennep on the bass, who's an absolute weapon. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it was great to see them. It was like a couple of weekends ago. Yes, um, yes. They, they played um, Tony Cheney's uh, Blues Explosion. Yes, they um, did. Boat yes. cruise on, on the harbour. It was fantastic. Mm-mm. Yeah. Do you do you find yourself as a as a guitarist? Do you find when you're going to watch another guitarist play in their band? Do you find yourself watching their fingers to see what they're doing and going, "Oh, I never thought of that." Oh, gee, how are they doing that? Do you kind of watch to see their preparation and their take on things? Totally. Totally, hundred percent. I mean, that's 
people go, oh, what sort of training have you had? And I, like, I've, I've never really had formal training other than just going to watch others play and just watching their hands and going, oh, right, that's what you're doing. Oh, oh that's interesting. Um, yeah. But one thing that's in, I've noticed about me going to gig, gigs and watching is, is the first players I've watched is the drummers. I watch the drummer first. Like, right. I just really... Yep. And then... And then the guitar player's got to really pull my ear, and they do, and I'll, I'll really get into that. Yeah. Um, but it sort of comes back to, and then then again, I mean, you know, we, we see so many bands over the years, and you know, still a lot of bands out there that don't have a great drummer, um, and that's just like, oh, God, this is... Yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're the kind of uh, the beating heart of the band, really. Totally. Because they're... You know, nobody wants a drummer that speeds up or slows down or yeah. does weird roles in weird places, you know. Um, it's it's a, it does it does weird things for yourself and and an audience, doesn't it? It's, it's it, like it it's un- uncomfortable, uncomfortable, like a pebble in your shoe, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, as a vocalist, I find that um, if – I happen upon a drummer that's, you know, does a, a weird role somewhere that I'm not expecting it, mm, then mm. it kind of gives me a bit of a fright and I might miss a cue. I'm, I'm better with that because now I've experienced that a f- yes. some, you yes. know, at times. Yes. That, um, you know, I, I know what to expect from certain drummers. Yes. And, um, yeah, but I, I feel they've got a... They're the beating heart, so they have to be, you know, totally. exact with their timing and not do anything too outrageous, totally. you know, it that you're not expecting. A, it's, it's, yeah, that's, it's, it really is the most powerful instrument in, in the band, isn't it, when you think yeah. of it like that, when it's, it subtly can throw the vocalist off, let alone everything else. Everybody else, that's right. And, and the bass player too, I find... Uh, needs to be at a certain level mm-hmm. because they they drive it. Totally. You know, so nobody wants a, a a bass player playing too quiet. They you know, or too loud. They've got to be just that right mix where it's, everybody can. And it's a real fine balancing act, isn't it? It's fine. It really is. It's. Um, I always think of. Uh, someone was. I must might have read it somewhere. Where in India, like musicians are, are revered, like say doctors are here in, in the Western world, that takes, you know, forty years to be at a point where you you you're accomplished being a musician. Wow. For these for these sorts of things, you know, it's really finite the the working of a band. You know, yeah. you think of how many bands are out every weekend playing and how many bands you know do half well and it's it takes so much you know then you're not even, we're not even talking then about the po- politics in a band on how to operate it and, and <laughs> round us up like cats <laughs> no, that might get a bit sticky because <laughs> I, I have certain views let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we need to interview you i think we need to <laughs> get we need to get the questions 
I'd look, I'd probably get myself in trouble, <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, where's so, our get out of trouble clause here? Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Greg, you have the General Jacksons. So how long have you had that band together or this band together, I should say? Oh, that's a good question. The first um, album uh, was at 2015. We I, I had a, um, a a deal through a boutique uh, jingle house. So the main director there, they, they were doing jingles for all sorts of big ads, and he was asked by another guitarist or another band that looking for a guitarist, and he he come across my stuff and. Loved it, loved it that much. He offered me recording, pre-recording, and that's how this wow. album was a bit of a deal. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so off the back of that, I had to pull, I pulled the band together to, to tour it, um, and that's where the General Jacksons come out. So 2015. Yeah, what's Perfect. Yeah, that's mm. a long while. That's yeah. that's really good. Now, a, a really good question is: Have you found in the albums and the songs that you've written mm -hmm. from when you were younger, of course, and then as you've uh, matured and grown older, have you seen the depth of your songs change? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, change in a number of different ways. So, like there's a complexity of, um, you know, choice of, of lyrics and storytelling to um, uh, different styles of music I was listening to at the time, probably influencing more structure and um, tones. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's an interesting journey. It's like, you know, sometimes you hear an old song and you go, oh, wow, oh, geez, I'm playing that different now. There's these nuances that have come into play and it's, it's just, you know, just given a slightly different tilt to certain areas of a partic particular song. Yeah, I think that's very important as a songwriter and a guitarist or, you know, pianist or whatever, um, mm. that you should always be striving to improve yes. and and add to what you have already done. You know, yes. uh, it's it never pays to sit on your laurels, that's for sure. Absolutely. No, it's, I, I think I, I'm one of those musicians it's always tinkering it's like i guess like my father was with different cars you know you're always sort of under the bonnet tinkering trying to you know it's never perfect it yeah, yeah yeah and i, I guess i that's, this is why i couldn't understand hearing mark Knopfler one day say he couldn't he couldn't stand to listen to brothers in arms um because it just didn't like yeah it is i was like dude some absolute masterpieces on that album i like, you know, I don't understand, like, but I guess, you know, maybe if you have these massive leaps of development or changes in course of playing or viewing music, then I could understand that maybe that's what the case was with him. Mm -mm, right. Well, yeah. I think you've done exceptionally well over your career, Greg, and uh, I wish you all the best with your uh, jam out at the Crow's Nest Hotel there with your Muso's Mastery course and, Thank of you. course, writing and performing and, of course, 
recording your songs. Uh, do you have any new albums coming out or new singles coming out? Only this week we're having a, a talk about uh, a blues album. Um, just you know, uh, get the, the the rails down for that. So that'll be happening for next year. So keep an eye out for that. But no firm date yet. We're, we'll, I've got a bunch of songs that uh, that need to be recorded and mm-hmm. we'll add to those and find a date to release for next year. Well, that'd be fabulous and I am hereby inviting you back when you're due for the release so that we can uh, talk about your album and promote it some. Well, please do. And I, I just want to say thank you for for doing what you do. It's so important for uh, the music and musicians like myself who, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong journey and, and to have uh, people like yourself that can help their conduit to facilitate um you know, stories and and inspiration. And we've just got to say thank you again, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's uh, very humbling. Thank you. I think on that note, uh, Greg, we might leave it for this evening. So yeah. I'm going to get all those links from you and put them in the description of of the interview so that people can contact you and let's get these uh, things going more for you. And um, I really look forward to running into you at a gig somewhere and uh, speaking with you again on here. Oh, thank you, Crystal. Thanks again. And uh, thank you, everyone who's listened in. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. All right, then. Good night. See you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that was Greg Noonan from Greg Noonan and the General Jacksons. Thank you for joining me again this evening, listeners. Please tune in next week when I have another fabulous guest for you. And until then, please stay safe, stay happy, stay cool, stay awesome. And please stay tuned to this channel. Good night. (laughs) 